Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they've supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of experience, and since your home is one likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com where you can also enter to win some sweet DNVR swag. They're your mortgage experts working up and down the front range. So call Mike and Virginia Chevalier. It's a great, it's a great song, and, uh, and our, our guy, uh, the legendary Tim E, who wrote that song, was actually here at the DNVR bar tonight. Oh, unfortunately, the Broncos couldn't get a win, win for him or the rest of Broncos country tonight. What a weird, weird, weird game, Mace. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to watch it again to fully process it. Um, I want to start with your your single biggest takeaway from what we just watched. It looked like two teams that didn't have preseason. It didn't have OTAs. Mm. Looked like looked like two teams where the timing was off at times. Uh, you can go with the obvious with Stephen Gaskowski for the Titans, but you know w- the the blocking wasn't effective at times for them. Now there were some good plays by the front seven up front, in particular under the radar. I thought uh, Jarrell Casey and Mike Purcell had great games out there today, and uh, there wasn't room for Derrick Henry. But at the same time, you go to the Broncos offense, did some promising things, but also you look at uh, look at the drop passes. Hey, Jerry Judy had some good moments, had two killer drops, especially that second one. Just looked like a couple of teams that were still kind of finding their way. Felt like a, a second preseason game that unfortunately for the Broncos happens to count in the standings. Yeah, man, I think you you summed up a lot of things really well there. Um, I'll be honest. I'm going to go with my positive takeaway and my negative takeaway. My positive takeaway is that True Lock looked great, man. Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, you take away a couple drops, uh, and he ends up having an incredible game, you know, in terms of just keeping your team in the game, making plays in big moments. Macy finishes the game 22 of 33, 216 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Again, it should have been 24 at least if you just had the two Judy drops. And and we're probably talking about a win, unfortunately, if Judy w- makes that second catch. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's my main, you know, my first takeaway is that I, I feel better about Drew Locke today right now than I did this morning. And I felt great about Drew Locke this morning. Yeah. Um, and the, the touchdown pass also, that was him. 
I mean, he's Beautiful. directing Noah Fant over to get in position and credit to Noah Fant for responding. But that's what a true field general does. He's on, he's, he's on the move. He's rolling out. He's in control of things. It, Drew Locke, he was under some pressure. He was outside the pocket. But he didn't seem uncomfortable at any moment out there for all that you can kind of get into all the, the little things that derailed the Broncos. Drew Locke was arguably the reason why they were in this game. Yeah. I, I would make that argument as well. Drew Locke and Noah Fant, who also had a great game, but Oh man, the, the negative takeaway for me and, and the big one here is that I, I feel like the Broncos uh, coaches let them down a little bit in this one. Uh, and the one that is going to stand out the most, and rightfully so, is Vic Fangio just completely mismanaging the clock at the end of the game. The only thing, like the only thing I could think of as to why he was doing that is he just thought, like, it doesn't matter. Like, like no, the uh, Gaskowski is going to miss it regardless. Like, that's the only thing I could think of was going through his head because I said it when they crossed the 40-yard line. I said, okay, time to start thinking about timeouts. Right. And, and then they ran a few more plays. And I'm like, uh, time to ca- start calling timeouts. And I thought, okay, maybe he'll call it at a minute. Didn't happen. He didn't call any. And the clock goes all the way down to 17 seconds before you get the ball back. Mace, this was a two-point game. Yeah. If you give Drew Locke 35 seconds, he's got to get 25 yards to get them into field goal position. I, like – as you can probably hear, I'm beside myself. I have no idea what in the world is going through Vic Fangio's head at the end of this game. Yeah, because you look at the possibilities there. Okay, if you if you don't call your timeouts as he did, uh, what are you you banking on? Are you you banking on Guskowski missing? Are you banking on them scoring right away and then you saving the timeouts? But you can't rely on that. That's where you have to take control of what you can control in terms of in-game management. And you know what? There's a chance it wouldn't have worked if you start calling timeouts and then they get a couple of first downs. And but there's and they're kicking a last-second field goal, so oh well. They're kicking it in the last second instead of you having 17 seconds and having a last gasp, gasp situation. But you have to take that chance to have what would have been a better shot. And you know what? Even if you start calling timeouts and the Titans score, if they score and there's still 40 a touchdown, let's say they get a touchdown and there's still 45 seconds left on the clock, that's still a better scenario than having 17 seconds on the clock, even though you're only down two. You've got to take timeouts in that scenario. You just have to. It's yeah, it, yeah. And and the funny thing is, he was actually having a pretty good game analytically. I mean, you get in the second quarter, going for it on fourth and one or fourth and goal. Pardon me, from the one. A lot of people are going to wring their hands over that, and I think you can question the play call. But going for it on fourth and goal from the one was absolutely the right call there rather than taking the points. Yeah. I don't know about the play call itself. And yeah. that's what I'll come back to as uh, an issue for me. I don't think it was a great game for Pat Shermer um, with that specifically being my biggest issue, but also the third quarter was an absolute disaster. Um, and one of those drives at the very least was, was on him. I thought two bad play calls to start the drive yeah. uh, and they leave, you know, they're stuck there with third and 14, you know, what do you expect? Um, but Man, the, the timeouts thing, that one that one I feel like we'll be talking about for, for 17 weeks here mm-hmm. as uh you know something that I just I'll I'll have a really hard time getting past with Vic Fangio. I just I can't comprehend it. And we'll have Zach Stevens joining us after he speaks with Vic Fangio and maybe maybe possibly Vic Fangio will give give us something to help us understand 
why he made that decision at the end of the game. But man, again, like I said, you know, you end up with 17 seconds and I'm thinking to myself, all you got to do is hit one pass play up the middle here and you actually have a chance. Well, you know, you only got three plays off. If you just had 35 seconds, 30 seconds, you actually have a chance to win this football game. And, uh, and Vic Fangio just didn't give his, his team a chance to do that. Um, couple other things as expected, at least on my part, I thought, um, Jerry Itachu and Malik Reed did a very good job filling in for Von Miller. I thought they were above serviceable. I thought uh, Itachu specifically should have had two sacks, uh, ended up with just one because of a crazy play by mm-hmm. Tannehill and also Itachu kind of trying to strip the ball rather than go for the sack, which, you know, whatever, you'll live with that. But, uh, and then on top of that, you know, the offense moved the ball really well in the first half. Uh, they moved it late. Uh, you know, they had that big scoring drive late or, or you know, to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Um, and you just – you do have to remind yourself that this offense was extremely shorthanded, extremely shorthanded. No Cortland Sutton. Uh, no Phillip Lindsay for the second half. Really yeah. hurt, I thought. I thought that was – a you know, he was a big part of the game plan. Completely gone. Um Although you know, Melvin no. Gordon did look good after the fumble. I mean, obviously, yep, yep. that's a core mistake in terms of things that went wrong. And, you know, when you juxtapose that with Philip Lindsay having never fumbled as a pro, and I tweet about that. And, of course, the, the response in the social media universe of Broncos country was predictable. But he did bounce back very nicely. He was a, a reason why the Broncos weren't it. By the way, here's what Vic Fangio has said about not having the timeouts. And Zach tweeted this out. We would have used a timeout, but the running back ran out of bounds, referring to when Derrick Henry went out. Too late. Uh, too yeah. late. Also cited an in- incompletion that stopped the clock and said at the field goal kicker, Guskowski was struggling, so he didn't want him to get closer. They got to chip shot range. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, that's that's not going to do it for me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, Maze. I don't, I don't uh, that didn't, didn't explain away again the timeout should have started happening the second they got into field goal range yeah um yeah that one uh that one doesn't make sense um and then you know i was talking about the injuries no kj hamler either um this offense was extremely short-handed you saw a lot of tim patrick a lot of deshaun Mm -hmm. hamilton and you know three months ago and we're talking about this offense those guys were afterthoughts they were a big part of it today even royce freeman came in and actually made a big play on the touchdown drive but again, another guy who you just weren't expecting to see. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you almost stole one that probably you uh, you know it, it just would have been a it would have been a coup to get this win. Uh, and and yet I feel like they should have won the game. Uh, and it's like one of these things where you if you get the win today, so mm-hmm. much is wiped away, so much is forgiven. Um, and the opposite happens and it, and it just feels like a real lost opportunity to get one that maybe you shouldn't have based on the personnel that you had out there. At the same time, though, the Titans and, and Guskowski with missing three field goals, that's three uh, lengthy drives, uh, 55 yards and over that didn't result in any points. So uh, if if you're the Titans, you feel like you survived but you also feel like the game shouldn't have been that close. And one of the, and a reason why the Broncos were in it was because the Titans were squandering those, those scoring opportunities. So it kind of, it, it kind of works both ways here. And that's sort of why I come back to the whole thing of this being almost like a preseason game. It's two teams that are lamenting a lot of things that went wrong. Just the Titans happen to steal it. The Broncos didn't. You hope it's not the difference 
in early January between being the seventh seed and being out of the postseason. Yeah, yeah, just a really tough one. Um, I do the I, like again. I uh, I feel like you there's things to build on in this game, and and uh, you know I get the frustration in Broncos country because it was an extremely frustrating game to watch. Um, but there's a lot to build on. Uh, and I think Drew Locke is is the main, you know, part of that is you feel really good about the way that he played. Uh, you know, the one critique you would have, in my opinion, is just some some overthrows on a couple mm-hmm. of shots that, you know, could have been there if he made those passes. But you feel great about that. I just I'm, I'm kind of sick for Jerry Judy because he played a, a good game. You know, if you take away those two drops, but you can't you can't take away yeah. the two drops, both of them loomed very large in the outcome of this game especially the second one and it just hurts and it's one of those things where it's like okay you have a young team they make young mistakes and that that was evident all over the place even alexander johnson which probably a bs call to be honest but just unnecessary Mm -hmm. uh which was the call unnecessary roughness you know um and there's just all over the field melvin gordon's fumble it's just like you know it's one of those things where you say okay week one young team this that the other thing but I do hurt for Jerry Judy because it just, you know, the, a good game turns into one where he's probably going to have a hard time sleeping at night. Yeah, he's he's going to take some time to get over it, but he's strong enough. He's resilient. I, th- I think eventually he'll be fine. It's actually it might actually might be good for a rookie to have a game like that. It's something that he can he can learn from. And we see the quote there uh, from Drew Locke that uh, Judy wanted to do well so bad he kind of forced some things on himself, and uh, you know. He put, he does put a lot of pressure on himself. Uh, we we tweeted we posted Zach's tweet earlier about Noah Fant and uh, what Vic Fangio said about why he didn't have any opportunity any opportunities in the second half. And this is one that's a head scratcher. I'm sorry, Fangio says that Noah Fant's slow second half was a product of all the three and outs. Uh, can you you can still throw to him on first and second down, right? Yes, you can. Okay. All right, just just clarifying there that yeah he he was the most reliable component of the Broncos passing game tonight, and you should have been even if you're trying to force it a little bit finding ways to get him the ball because the Titans the one the one aspect of the Broncos offense the Titans didn't have any answers for tonight was no offense. I know, and that's you know that's those the one of those things where it's like you watch Andy Reid right. And he identifies a mismatch in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And he says, we're going back to this until you force us to do something else. Right. And it felt like the Broncos completely let the Titans off the hook when it came to Noah Fant. Like, this is why you drafted this guy in the first round, because he's a mismatch nightmare. Yeah. And you had it. You had the mismatch and you didn't capitalize. He's getting wide open. I mean, there was the one one play that he had to the right side. There's not a there's not a defender within six yards of him. Yep. They they didn't they didn't know what to do to contain him. They didn't have a matchup that worked with Noah Fant. So just keep keep feeding him, even if it is on first and second down. Keep finding ways to get him in the ball. There's there's not a limit on how many times you can you can target him. And right now, with Jerry Judy having a rookie day, with Cortland Sutton not out there, you could argue that Noah Fant is the is the alpha of those pass catchers, or he was the alpha tonight. And you should have been getting the ball more. Yeah. A uh, question here comes in from Ben Furu Zero. It says, BS call on Alexander Johnson. Why would they not show it on replay? Fishy much. I agree. You know, 
I guess you, you can lean back on that it's the first game for everyone, but it was whack of ESPN to not show the replay. Um, Brett Kane on Twitter, uh, our friend over there from Altitude Sports Radio, he rewound on his TV and showed the play. Again, I was I thought it was going to be really, really bad, and it's pretty mm-hmm. bad. Um, Derrick mm-hmm. Henry's not looking. Alexander Johnson just kind of runs at him and shoves him. And, you know, by the term unnecessary roughness, it was kind of unnecessary roughness. I just yeah. don't know, like, especially after the refs came together and had that long conversation, I just like them to say, like, yeah, this is a this is a man's sport and people are going to get shoved around and we're not going to overturn such a big play on an inconsequential shove. Or this is where you need the AAF sky judge. Yeah. That they had up upstairs. And I know the XFL had something similar back earlier this year, which seems like 10 years ago, really. But someone to say, okay, we had a we're able to see the all 22 up here. And that's the and that is the angle that immediately probably would have would have revealed it because you could then you could have seen it and then it said, okay, fine. I mean, if it, it's one of those things where I, I know someone suggested maybe it's 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 fishy. I, I don't think there's anything fishy about it. I think the conversation is that it's probably away from the ball. So you know what? Maybe no official was looking in that direction when it happened. Yeah, no, it's not necessarily fishy. They didn't yeah. show the replay, but I fe- I just felt like it was mm-hmm. like, how do you not show the replay of a call that was yeah. so, such a big call at that moment? Yeah, it felt like preseason for the ESPN crew as well for a lot of reasons. It wasn't the, that that wasn't a great broadcast. No, it wasn't. Uh, they also had it like second and goal mm-hmm. when they were on the 25 on the graphic. It's uh, it, it, it was it, it was sloppy all around. And the gratuitous nerd bashing with the analytics comment. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, man, that nothing makes me want to turn off a broadcast faster. Of course, then again, I am a nerd. Uh, yes. Well, you, you, you have the right to defend yourself on this broadcast. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I, I heard that and I'm like, ah, next few Monday nights, I think I'm going to be listening to the radio. Yeah, man, I'm just. Or the Spanish broadcast. You can go just back. Terrific. Yeah, the Spanish broadcast is always good. Um, let's go back to the fourth and one because I really think it was a massive turning point in the mm-hmm. game. Um, you know, really the difference in this game is that on a fourth and one from the goal line, the Titans scored, and on a fourth and one from the goal line, the Broncos did not. Um, I just – I don't – I guess what what bothers me more than anything about the play call is that it's a it's a – one lane play if you know what i mean like it's right. a pre-designed this is what's going to happen uh and you saw drew Locke have a moment of like is there any other options here and i guess yeah. his other option would have been to just tuck it and run but he kind of hesitated but kind of hesitated the play was blown up and there just wasn't much else to do per- personally i would like to have a play there where especially if you're going to throw the ball uh you know go play action Mm-hmm. boot out and give drew lock two two places to throw the ball and also have the option to run the ball uh and just have some outs if something goes wrong that's kind of a play where if it's recognized and it goes wrong it's done uh and it's dead in the water or simply some zone read option type stuff i mean this is i you know i, I was thinking back to saying okay drew lock has some mobility you could have few Tebow like packages designed for two point conversions that could apply well. And that's if you don't want to do the simple thing, which is try, try to get it with power. Of course, that being said, 
a really nice play call on second and goal when Drew had Nick Vanette open. I mean, that's uh, that's the one that I think is gonna, is going to keep Drew Lock up tonight. And that is, that is the, the one play all night that I said Garrett Bull's name, and, and he deserves credit for that um, yeah. because he had a very nice game. Otherwise, it was just on that play. If he keeps that block for half a second longer, Drew probably gets to throw that pass without pressure in his face, and it's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, and you're never going to have a perfect game from an offensive lineman, but unfortunately, Bulls got beat there, and it forced Drew to rush it a little bit. And does should he probably still make the throw? Yes, but it was the difference between an easy touchdown and a tougher throw, and he just didn't make the tough throw. Yeah, and uh, it, it, it it is what it is there. I mean, it's, it's frustrating, but Drew's made – completions under under pressure like that so he's he, he's gonna want that he's gonna want that one back i'm glad you mentioned garrett bowles because i thought on first glance it was a solid game I and mean, we you know we we didn't call his name tonight and elijah wilkinson for the most part did all right i thought he got a little bit fatigued late mm-hmm. and it showed when he was up against when he was up against a pass rush and he was allowing some more pressures yep yeah, I just yeah, going back to that fourth down play, it's just mm-hmm. if you if you call something better and you score there. I mm-hmm. also would have liked to see Melvin Gordon get a carry. I don't think he got a carry in that set. Uh, uh he did. He got a carry. He, he 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 it was no it was, it was Phil, then it was the pass to Vanette, then it was Melvin off mm-hmm. left guard for no gain, okay. and then it was the 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 pass to, to Jake Button. I, I just bashed the ESPN broadcast, but I think their analysis succinct was spot on it you just got too cute there too cute and also like i realize i think you you know maybe you're going from like a decoy angle here but if you're gonna run that play give it to the six foot five guy who's 250 pounds who runs really fast and is powerful you know the guy that you drafted in the first round to Mm -hmm. score you touchdowns in the red zone noah fant who already scored one on that like that that play should be going to noah fant and noah fant only unless albert okawebunam is on the field yeah and uh I don't, as good as Albert O has been, unless there are injuries at the tight end position, I don't know that we're going to see much of Albert O for a while. Just it's, it's a numbers game there. I don't think you're going to see the Broncos activate five tight ends, even though one of them is a fullback slash H back slash special teamer. But you know, it, yeah, Albert O is worth trying there. Jake, Butt, not his best night to say the least. And no. uh, you know, he's been a great story, but the opportunities he had, he had that play there. Although, although you got to, you, give credit to Jeffrey Simmons for diagnosing it perfectly and uh, blowing it up. The Titan, the, the Titans, I, I have to say, while Jarrell Casey did very well for the Broncos tonight, Titans kind of knew what they were doing because they had to get some, some cash and cap savings to get Tannehill and Derrick Henry signed. And they've invested heavily in the front, in the front seven. And they've got some beasts up there. And Jeffrey Simmons is going to be maybe the biggest beast of all in that front seven. Yeah, I I still don't I I don't think that team's going far. That but that's Mm. that's just my belief. Um, You know, it's it's interesting. I feel like there's a lot of people who deserve uh, helmet stickers in this one, and and a couple Mm -hmm. guys uh, and coaches who who didn't have their best game. One Mm. one guy who didn't have his best game, notably, I think, is is Justin Simmons. Yeah. Um, You know, it's almost I I don't know if it's fair to say the Broncos were betting against him this season. Um, but they certainly didn't bet on him um, with a big contract. They, of course, gave him the franchise tag, which just happens to be a lot of money. Uh, but 
you just you didn't feel him. I did not feel his impact on this football game. Yeah, and the Titans and Tannehill in particular were doing a good job exploiting that gap in the zone between Josie Jewell and Justin Simmons. And in the first half in particular with Corey Davis, a guy who's really been hot and cold his entire career, well, Davis really got hot uh, for something that we haven't seen a lot over the last few years. And uh, they were going right at the right at the, at the spot in the zone underneath Justin Simmons. And, of course, on that uh, on that touchdown where John U. Smith is wide open, uh, miscommunication. And honestly, that there on that fourth and goal, if you don't have things right pre-snap, somebody's got to call timeout. Yeah. That's a high leverage situation. Somebody's got got to put a stop to that before the snap. They didn't look prepared co- coming out of the huddle on that play. I agree. Um, Mace, a lot of people in the comments here asking if we know anything about Philip Lindsay's injury. Was that re- was that revealed? Uh, maybe producer Allie can look into that as well. From uh, if there are any tweets from Zach on that. Yeah, uh, I'm, of- I'm going through Twitter right now myself. So um, looks like turf toe. Okay, you know that's probably the best case scenario uh of a foot injury when he had when when they said he's out with a foot injury i started running through all the potential foot injuries in my head yeah uh and the, yeah you started the, the top the worst one Liz frank that's yep. the career threatener and to, turf toe is down there in terms of a career threatener but it's something that probably is going to have a recovery time that isn't measured in days, but weeks. I think you have to count on him not being out there against Pittsburgh next week. If you want to make sure you get him right. And uh, maybe you're shooting for Tampa Bay, man. And these are just stacking up, you know, turf toes, another one. It's similar to an ankle sprain in the sense that uh, the only way it gets right is with a mm-hmm. lot, a lot, a lot of rest, more rest than you're ever willing to give a football player during a season. So that's probably mm-hmm. going to bother Philip Lindsay for the rest of the year. Um, it's the same as Cortland Sutton, whose AC joint sprain is going to bother him for the rest of the year. And now you have AJ Boye, who again, mm-hmm. we haven't even talked about that injury yet. He goes out um, shoulder. Yep. Popped his shoulder out, out of place. And, and so that's another one. Mm-hmm. It's the same, same sort of thing that that's going to pop. That's going to, you know, that's not going to be comfortable anytime soon. Well, I, I think back to champ Bailey playing an entire season back in 05 with a harness. And, uh, he had the injury, I believe. Same week in the season. It happened in, in week one against Miami that year, and he played very well. So if it's that type of injury, it's something that he can function with, but we don't yet know the severity of it, obviously. Uh, there are varying degrees to it. So you know, we're going to be watching Cortland's AC joint. We're going to be watching uh, A.J. Boye's shoulder. We saw we, with Boye out, we, of course, saw a lot more of Ojemudia, and it was uh, some hot, some cold. Also saw a lot of Asang Bassi. That The interesting thing there, I think, it, it, is as we were able to kind of get a, a feel for the depth at quarterback tonight, that Ojemudia, of course, was the three, but Asang Bassi is the four, not Devontae Harris. Yeah, and hat tip to Asang Bassi, mm-hmm. who I thought uh, did a very admirable job coming in as a undrafted free agent off the you know just right into the game um and and it was one that you know we were kind of giving him credit throughout the sea throughout uh training camp but without preseason games we had no idea where he stood and then all of a sudden one day he's repping with the ones and it was like oh okay so Mm -hmm. so they are you know high on him and and credit to him because again i thought he went out uh and played a pretty darn good game. Of course, if you're tuning in on the live portion here, that's brought to you uh, by Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, and of course, 
The presenting sponsor of the show is always MSU Denver Online. Go to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. Rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. Mace, if I told you before that, you know, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. no Cortland Sutton, no Von Miller, no KJ Hamler. Uh, you only get one half of Philip Lindsay and one half of AJ Boye. Would you have thought the Broncos were going to win this game? No, not at all. Oh, oh, oh also no Todd <laughs> Davis, which that one was my yeah. choice. But uh, but also, you know, we talk about a saying Bassey stepping in. Uh, Josie Jewell, for the most part, had a good game. And both, by the way, both the saying Bassey and Josie Jewell with big plays bringing down Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had the quietest, quietest 100-yard rushing game you can possibly imagine 3.7 yards per carry. And a lot of that was due to the really good work on the second and third lines of defense that kept him from having those back breaking gallops that he's prone to have when he wears down a defense that usually he starts gashing you for 10, 15, 20 yards because he's breaking through those tackles at the second level. And those guys, they just weren't allowing it tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you have like you do take your hat off to a Josie Jewel. Uh, the the one worry I have is this was probably the best matchup Josie Jewel is going to see all year because mm-hmm. you know what what his job was to go downhill and try and stop Derrick Henry and mm-hmm. I even think that they probably told him hey if you bite on a play action fake or two and there's something open a little bit behind you we'll live with it. Uh, we're not going to live with you know being on our heels as Derrick Henry runs us over for seven yards at a time and I thought he did a great job of that very specific task. I just think it's going to get harder for him from here on out. That's where you hope you have Mark Barron out there at some point. They got to be cautious with the hamstring, but here you are now staring down the uh, barrel of Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady and a lot of good targets that can cause you a lot of problems. Well, something that we're going to be doing every uh, game is giving out our DraftKings king of the game. Uh, And first of all, shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook. They make watching sports more fun. But our DraftKings king of the game tonight, uh, it was going to be Steven Guskowski if he didn't, <laughs> if he could just miss one more. Ouch. Um, That's cruel, RK. That is. <laughs> honestly, that would have been twisting the knife in a way that I'm just not willing to do. <laughs> he's the king of the To this point, he's even the king of the game for both teams. Like the yeah. Broncos were in the game because of him, and the Titans won the game because of him. Um, but we do have our DraftKings king of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it's Drew Locke. Um, I just thought he he was admirable out there. He looked like he was in control of the team. He looked like he's in control of the offense. He looked like a leader. He looked like he's taking a step forward. Uh, and I think that the Broncos, of anything coming out of this game, coming out of this game feeling really good about their quarterback. Yeah, I can't argue with that choice. I mean, if we if uh, if Alexander Johnson doesn't have the penalty, I think you can make an argument for him because he was everywhere tonight with 12 tackles. And then the other guy you can make an argument for is Noah Fant uh, with six catches for 81 yards and uh, doing a, a great job of really filling in the gap for Cortland Sutton. You were thinking, okay, where's the production going to come from? Who's going to step up? And it was Noah Fant. And I think one thing that was apparent to me when on the, in the training camp practices that, uh, that I watched – is that while Drew Locke obviously trusts Cortland Sutton more than anybody else, that right now, right behind Cortland Sutton, is Noah Fant. And that's something that I think is going to continue growing with games like this. And uh, and 
it, this is where it becomes really intriguing once you get Sutton back out there because uh, having the guy like Fant who can who can force the safeties to rotate away from Sutton and not get and not give so much attention to him downfield, it's going to open things up. So I mean. I mean, I don't want to be Pollyanna here, but there are an awful lot of positives that you can point to about about this offense doing what it did and uh, what what it did tonight. And I feel pretty good that the, the the game that Noah Fant had today is going to result in a win that maybe we didn't see coming at some point during the season because some team is not going to have an answer for him, and the Broncos won't go away from him in the second half like they did. Yeah, and you know he he you saw that quote there. Yeah, Zach Stevens. Uh, uh, he's channeling his inner MPJ there, um, but he's right. Like you know, all he had to add in there was uh, if we wanted to beat that team, I think we needed to spread the ball around a little more. Yeah. Um, but oh, you know, I'm I'm with you, Mace. I, it's it's hard when you lose in week one to not be frustrated by you know just all the little things that went wrong that caused you to lose um but the broncos definitely have building pieces here they are a very young team you and zach both kind of had the feeling that they were going to lose this one uh and begin to you know figure things out along the way and we and, can, and we got ripped for it on social media when we put out the the pick graphic i was like oh, that was predictable You're and i'm just like hey and that's that's why I'm like, hey, somebody picked them to be a playoff team. And actually, like uh, today on uh, on the radio, we were having this discussion, and and Eric Goodman says, so you're saying they're going to be zero three and be a playoff team? And I said, yep, that's right. So I think this team is going to get exponentially better over the course of the year, and it's going to be games like this where we see good things happening. And we see mistakes that can be corrected that are going to be a reason why this team improves. And for an example of how a team can grow from a day where a lot goes wrong, just look at the team that beat you tonight. Because they don't have the run that they have if they don't get stomped here 16 nothing last year, just embarrassed. That forced change upon them. They grew from that. They learned from that. They became a better team. I think the Broncos are going to be a better team because of the things that were shortcomings tonight, but also the things that they did well that they can apply more extensively in the future. Yeah, I think you're right. And and I think like someone like Jerry Judy really mm -hmm. ha, you know learns from this game. I thought uh I thought Drew said it best when he said he's just trying to do too much. If you go back and you look at the first um the first drop. He has a chance there if he makes one guy miss to be off to the races. Yeah. And he knew that too. And he started thinking about how he's going to make that guy miss before he thought about how he's going to catch the football. Um, the second one, I I don't know. That one, it, it hurts more, obviously. Um, and I don't know what he was thinking there because if you just move the chains on that drive, you are fully in control of the football game. You're in field goal range. And you're going to take, you know, another minute at least off the clock. And I'm sure that's what he's thinking about right now. And because of that, I think next week you'll see that when Jerry Judy gets the ball, he's going to make sure it's in his hands before he starts trying to make moves. Maybe the problem was that he was thinking, period. Yeah. You know, it's the old, the old, the old quote from Bull Durham when, uh, when Crash Davis tells Nukalouche, don't think. It can only hurt the ball club. Just catch the ball. Don't think about what about what's next. Just you have the task in front of you. Catch the ball, then worry about what comes next. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, quickly, a shout out to Breckenridge Brewery, who of course 
um, you know, help the the people here at the DNVR bar drink away their sorrows. Also, <laughs> there were some celebratory RK specials going around after the first touchdown. That was always nice to see. Um, but whatever your favorite type of beer is, Breck Brew has something for you. Check them out uh, anywhere where you get your beers. And if you if you can't find them at your local liquor store, you can use the Breck Brew locator to find where they might have some near you. So shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. And also shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook. It was great seeing teams out on the gridiron over the weekend, but that was just week one. There's no better place to get in on all the action than at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. So to add to the excitement of week two, DraftKings is bringing back their can't-miss offer. DraftKings is giving all new users a chance to turn $1 into $100 betting on any NFL team. Pick the biggest underdog favorite of the week you know the biggest spread out there you can bet on the favorite and if they come through you can turn one dollar into a hundred dollars so check out DraftKings Sportsbook we all have a great time using it out here so check out DraftKings Sportsbook use that code DNVR when you sign up uh, and you can get a sign up bonus up to a thousand dollars of course you must be 21 or older Colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match each up to $500. The deposit bonus requires a 25X playthrough, and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Well, Zach is just talking to every player under the sun right now. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to see what he has to say when he finally gets off this the longest presser streak of all time. Well, it's the only way we're talking to guys after games this year. So ordinarily, you'd get you know, the coach – two players at the podium, maybe three sometimes, but then you'd be able to talk to a handful more in the locker room. So I wonder if they're just going to uh, stack all these guys one one by one by one every week in order to to re- at least somewhat replicate what we would ordinarily get. Of course, the thing that we're missing is the, the small group stuff, the one-on-one stuff, and uh, unfortunately that's going to lead to some homogenized type of coverage uh, this year, but it is what it is. Yeah. Mace, if I asked you what's the biggest reason the Broncos lost this game, what what would your answer be? And it doesn't have to be a person or it could be anything. Biggest reason was, oh boy. I mean, I would, I'd say the biggest reason was a fail, a failure to capitalize on ever on, on opportunities. And I think that I I think back to not only what happened at the goal line, but also some some promising possessions that kind of that kind of that kind of petered out. You know, you had, um, you know, like like the the first drive, for example, I mean, the Broncos only get to the 37 yard line, but they've they've got momentum and it just kind of and it just kind of fizzled out, fizzled out a little bit. I felt like there were that. And then the other thing you point to is in the third quarter the play calling and you t- and we've talked about it with Noah Fant and Vic Fangio referencing the three and outs. Well, you have two possessions in the third quarter and they go three and out, three and out and you allow the Titans to kind of to get some momentum, get the uh, get the wind back in their sails. One thing that's interesting is I'm as I'm looking at the pos- at the possession data here is that early in the second half going into the fourth quarter, while the Broncos had two drives that lasted 61 and 97 seconds. The Titans had two marches, one to a missed field goal and one to the touchdown that lasted 631 and 702. And then later in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, when the Broncos went three and out and they were up and they needed to, to 
choose some clock. 61 seconds, they held the ball. And one thing that I noticed on that last drive as the Titans were driving to a field goal, yes, the Denver in coverage was playing back a little bit, but that was the moment where I actually saw some hands on hips and guys breathing heavily on the defensive side. That was the moment where they actually looked tired. And I wonder if the first two drives of the second half of the Titans that were 14 and 15 plays while the Broncos did not have a drive in the second half longer than nine plays and went three and out three times. I wonder if that had an impact on what happened at the end. It absolutely did. And I think you hit the nail on the head there with a few different things. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, uh, and maybe this is a little bit of a cop out, but to me, it just comes down to unforced errors. Yeah. Um, You know, the Melvin Gordon fumble, I said it up here in the lounge at the DNVR bar. I said, that's a game changing play right there. Uh, You know, you're, you have all the momentum, you fumble the ball, you give them the ball in scoring range, they go score it. Um, That, that just felt like a, a big chance for the Broncos to start to take control of the game. And it went the exact opposite way. Mm-hmm. So that's one that was unforced. The two Judy drops unforced the Alexander Johnson penalty unforced and uh, Vic Fangio, not knowing how to make his hands into a T unforced. <laughs> uh, so just a lot of stuff that's like easily correctable, but is also just right on you. Look in the mirror uh, and figure that out, that's on you. Yeah, how many times, like last year, there were some games that the Broncos lost that were on them, but there were also a lot of games the Broncos lost because they just weren't good enough. Today, you didn't lose because you weren't good enough. It was in your hands. Even with the fact that you were gift-wrapped nine points in terms of margin because Guskowski or 10 points, pardon me, because he missed the PAT. You were, you, you were given, you were given 10 points, which by the way, what's interesting is that if he'd hit all those kicks, they would have had 26 points, which is what their offense averages per 60 minutes with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback last year. So, yeah. you know, there were, you know, they gave you some stuff, but you gave them some stuff too. It was just, it, if they if they met and both teams were more efficient, honestly, I'm not sure who wins. Yeah, but it it felt like a lot of the a lot of the miscues one hand kind of washed the other a little bit. And so, another positive thing that you take is that the Titans. I know I know you probably don't think as highly of them as I do, but this looks like a team that can to me that can win 10, 11 games and is going to win the AFC South. And quickly, and, uh, oh, yeah. go, go go ahead and. And you hung with them, and you had the game in your hands. So, I'm feeling I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that aspect of it that 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 they hung in. But now, when you play teams that are kind of in your category, the the middle the middle tier, the the mediocre to good but not great teams, now you've got to probably get another one. Probably get another one to make up for this. I mean, you should beat the Jets; they're terrible. You should beat the Dolphins; they're not very good. But now, to make up for something like this, got to go to New England and beat the Patriots, a team that looks like they're right in that in that same category as the Broncos and Titans fighting for playoff spots that aren't going to be the top two seats. Quickly to uh, Connor in the comments who said we finally addressed Vic Fangio. Go back and rewind to the very beginning <laughs> of this because uh, I, I had a rant that's just for you. Uh, and speaking of Vic Fangio, uh, in all things, we're getting ready to bring in our guy, Zach Stevens, who I'm sure will have some quotes for us from the head coach. Can't wait to hear what he says. So let's bring in Zach. 
Ay, 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 my boys. Wow. Not uh, after four missed field goals, it wasn't the uh, outcome I was expecting. Ay, ay, ay. You're coming in pretty hot there, Zach. Uh, <laughs> hot hot, hot in er- and hot in every way. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I meant by his levels. <laughs> I mean, there there were some seasons for Guskowski that involved four missed kicks, let alone a game. I mean, this is highly unusual for him. You were, And that's, if that's, a, that's a frustrating thing, Zach. In a way, you were gift-wrapped this game. He gave it right back. Well, and Vic Fangio was counting on him to miss that, guys. He was counting. And that was one of the reasons why the Broncos uh, did not. Sorry, I had a call coming in. That was one of the reasons that the Broncos did not use timeouts at the end. The Broncos chose not to use timeouts because Vic didn't want to get him any closer because he thought that he was, was potentially going to miss for a fifth Time and guys, honestly, I couldn't have felt more opposite than I Vic. Mean, I mean, one, once they got the ball and had some time on the clock, I thought, just like everyone thought, oh my gosh, he's gonna nail it. I don't care if it's a 62 yarder, he is going to nail it. And uh, of course, it wasn't a 62 yarder, but that's what happened. The other reason that Vic didn't take the timeouts was he said, well, the Titans ran out of bounds and then they threw an incompletion. Well, there was still a lot of other time that, that trickled off the clock. Yeah, and it's interesting you, you mentioned that because remember last year, Indianapolis, Am Vinatieri misses a field goal, misses an extra point, and then he comes out with like a 56-yarder in the last minute, boots it right through. You can, just because a kicker's having a bad day doesn't mean you can count on that bad day continuing to miss another kick. Yeah, I, I like Zach said, I'm actually the, I was the opposite of Vic Fangio. Uh, you know, people often use the law of averages wrong and I'm probably using it wrong right now, but the law of averages told me, uh, that, that, okay, he's not going to miss five. You know, the fact that he missed two was an anomaly. The fact that he missed three was a crazy anomaly. The fact that he missed an extra point on top of that is almost impossible. Him missing another one was not even, uh, there was just no chance of that happening. Uh, And especially from up close which, you know, Vic Fangio, I saw your tweet, Zach. Vic Fangio said, I don't want to let him get closer. Well, what, what you did didn't work at all because he got plenty, plenty close. It's not like he, you know, it's not, it's not like they were driving and they're at the 35 yard line with seven seconds left and he didn't want to take a timeout. Like they, it was inside of what it is for an extra point, I'm pretty sure. So I just, there's no excuse for Vic. There's, there was, uh, there was already nothing he could say that was going to change my mind that he completely botched that. Uh, and nothing that he said even moved the needle one tiny little bit for me. No, I agree. And what's such a bummer on top of that was you're sitting there and you're thinking, Oh wait, there's 17 seconds left, two timeouts. I, I don't feel terrible about this. What if there was 41 seconds? I'm, I'm not even saying that there's two minutes. What if there's 41 seconds? And with the Titans, they would still be playing a little cushion defense to make sure the Broncos didn't get over the top of them. Then you're feeling great. 41 seconds, two timeouts. Heck, let's say you use all those timeouts. 41 seconds, no timeouts. It, you're probably still going to be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I said to base at the top of the show. I'm like, I was, I still thought there was a chance with 17 seconds. I would have felt amazing if there was even 30 seconds on the clock. Uh, the Broncos just needing to really get 25 yards or maybe even, you know, 30 to give uh, Brandon McManus a decent chance. Oh, yeah. I want uh, them to try the 75-yarder just because. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> what I, I, I just 
would have had a better well, shot in the play they ran. Exactly. Well, well, I don't know how. I mean, there should have been a, a a route for Drew to throw to because they had to see that there was pressure coming. I was just thinking, okay, get it into Jerry Judy's hands and let him try and juke someone out of their shoes and get behind someone, and then you can start doing the the pitch play. But even, I mean, I would have been fine with the seventy five yarder over that. Yeah, I, I agree. And guys, I'm told I'm coming in pretty hot in multiple ways on this pod. So let me know if my levels are, are a little better right now. Is that is that a little better? A little better. Maybe you can like move away from your microphone a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take it away. Okay. Um, but guys, there was, there was something else that was even more concerning to me that I heard uh, after the game. And it, what, it was a, about coaching but it didn't have to do with Vic Fangio. I asked Noah Fant, what happened? You had 81 yards in the first half, zero in the second half. You had one target in the second half. Really reminded me of George Kittle's game a couple of years ago against the Broncos. Of course, though, that one was on steroids when George Kittle had over 200 yards in the first half. And Noah Fant said, we just went in a different direction on the offensive side of the ball. And he said, I was okay with it. And I think that's a really good, team thing to say from Noah, but guys, your tight end can't be stopped. He's five for five with the touchdown for 81 yards. He is really your only offense and your quarterbacks loving him. Pat, why are you going in a different direction? He was your wide receiver one tonight with Cortland Sutton out. Like I was telling RK earlier, he was the alpha. You, you feed him the ball until they figure out how to stop him. I mean, he's he's making plays, and he's also wide freaking open. They didn't they they it was a riddle that they could that they weren't figuring out. Just go you go with it until they adapt, and then you and then you find another gear. But it was it was cash money, play after play. And I mean, I'm I'm encouraged for Noah Fant because uh, because he was making guys miss, and he was extending plays after the catch. He was doing everything that you expect him to do, but. Keep feeding him the ball. If it's working, why go away from it? Don't overthink this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, that's another one that I'll put in the unforced errors mm-hmm. category, Mace. You know yeah. that I was mentioning to you as I think the biggest issue. Like, just so many. Uh, you got cute in areas where you didn't need to get cute. You went away from things that were working for things that were weren't. It just, I don't know. And- Too much. And you had 122 offensive yards in the second half. You don't deserve to win any single game that happened that where where you have that in the second half in a close game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. And the Broncos weirdly should have won, didn't deserve to win, should have won in a blowout, should have lost in it. Like this, this game went in so many different directions. It's uh, it's crazy. And and it, I guess it was bound to come down to a field goal, but. Mm-hmm. Um, the Broncos are going to have a lot to improve on and a lot that they're just kicking themselves about. Zach, anything else uh, that really caught your ears from the pressers? You know, just just it, it, everyone just seemed like uh, we're, we're close. You know, we're, we're there, and now we just have to turn around and beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Well, Pittsburgh just had a really good game, uh, and it, it's, it's just going to be tough because there's all these small things that are fixable. But, Ryan, like you mentioned, there's a lot – of small things that happened. And, and it concerns me with all of these injuries. Philip Lindsay uh, has turf toe, um, and it looks like he may be out for a little bit of time. 
Melvin Gordon said the team's in good hands if he if he misses some time, of course, talking about himself. Um, you have Cortland Sutton, who was close to playing but never got medical clearance. So I personally wouldn't even say that that he's a guarantee to play next week. Uh, and A.J. Boye shoulder injury, which we're not sure how, how severe that is. But I did like the way Ojemudia and Bassey played, but you didn't you, you didn't bring uh, Boye here to have these rookies be playing this year. Hey, absolutely, and I said it to Mace. I'll say it to you. If I if I told you that they weren't going to have Von Miller, they weren't going to have AJ Boye for half the game, they weren't going to have Philip Lindsay for half the game, they weren't going to have KJ Hamler, uh, they weren't going to have the guy who was supposed to be calling the plays on the defense for all of training camp. You know, you go down the list. No one would have had them winning this game. And uh, obviously you two picked the the Titans to win in the first place. And both of you felt like this team was going to start slow and find their rhythm along the way. And I'll say it, you guys look like you're very right. Because this is a team that could have won this game if they were in their rhythm uh, and they just weren't there yet. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And you don't look at Drew Locke and feel bad uh, about him after this game. I, I feel good about Drew Locke. Now, when you feel good about the way your quarterback plays and you put up 14 points, it means that something's not clicking, right, guys? And to me, it comes back to that quote from Noah Fant. And that points to me, points directly to Pat Shermer. Now, I understand Melvin Gordon had the fumble. You're you're going to have turnovers in most games. Drew didn't throw a pick, so that was where your turnover came. Unfortunate, you can't have it. I agree with you, Ryan. That really felt like the turning point of the game. But... Mm -hmm. Even with one turnover, you should be able to put up more than 14 points uh, when Melvin Gordon had a pretty good game on the ground outside the fumble, when your quarterback is doing well, when your tight end uh, is playing uh, lights out for an entire half. So to me, that this comes down to Pat Sherman, and then obviously at the end, Vic Fangio, and it just it stings a lot when it's coaching. Yeah, absolutely. It really does. Um, again, and I think one of the reasons why this game hurts so much from a Broncos perspective is because Drew played well, you know, and it feels like you should win games where your quarterback plays well, especially um, for Broncos fans who have been watching poor quarterback play for so many years. You just thought, OK, well, give us good quarterback play and get and win football games. And and I thought you got good quarterback play. People in the comments have been re- uh, not everyone, but a lot of people in the comments have been really critical of Drew. I mean, he missed a couple throws, but, you know, like I told Mace, he should have been 24 of 32, uh, you know, for 275 yards and a touchdown and no, no interceptions. Like that should win you football games. And unfortunately, like you mentioned, Zach, it's things when it's coaching because it feels like coaching was at least one of the main reasons why the Broncos lost this game. Yeah, it, it does. And the, the, Titans came to Denver in the mile high and they played the game that the Broncos wanted to just, just dink and dunk pounding it down the field. And in the end, Derrick Henry does top a hundred yards. And since week 10 of last year, the Titans are undefeated when Derrick Henry tops 100 yards. So once, once he eclipsed that, it just seemed like, Oh boy, this was, this was going to happen. Although you still didn't feel bad about the run defense. You didn't feel bad uh, about the pass defense, considering everything that was going on. The pass rush was there early kind of faded as it went on. And that doesn't really surprise me, especially with Bradley Chubb. He's a guy that hasn't practiced it for, for most of the past two weeks. So I didn't expect him to be fresh the entire game playing a lot. And you chose to play him 
on the earlier side, and it was clear that that he got pretty tired. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go too much further, a shout out to WGT Golf. Go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf, and you can hang out with us every single weekend as we play our DNVR tournament. Of course, to do that, you'll go into the, the country club sections and type in DNVR3 to join the DNVR3 country club. One and two are already full, but don't worry. DNVR3 gets all the same benefits. You'll get to play along with us every weekend as we all go head-to-head to try and see who sucks the least at WGT Golf. Usually, uh, it's it's none of us who suck the least. <laughs> <laughs> but once in a while, we get a DNVR family member uh, or a DNVR employee in the top 10, which we're pretty proud of. So anyways, go to dnvrgolf.com, download it, go into the Country Club section, go to DNVR3 to get in on WGT Golf today. And Zach, uh, you want to tell the good folks about some rugby? Ah, we have the best rugby coverage here at the DNVR.com. Our guy Colton Strickler is taking you not just through all things Colorado rugby, but all things American rugby, as now Colorado is the heart and soul of that. Make sure to check out uh, the rugby podcast that we've got going on, the DNVR.com, our rugby coverage. Colton does such a great job on both platforms and including Twitter, breaking down the game of rugby and breaking down everything that's going on. So make sure to check out the DNVR.com and check out our rugby coverage. All right. Going into the final segment here, guys. Um, Zach, I asked this to Mace. I want to get your thoughts on this. What do you think? Um, was the biggest single takeaway of this game, first of all, and what is the number one thing that you pin this loss on? Well, there's hope. There, there's – can't hear me? No, you're good. Oh, the, the, there, there's hope uh, with, with this team because, like I said, liked what I saw from Drew Locke, liked what I saw from a lot of the pieces on offense. The, the offensive line wasn't terrible. Uh, now, Elijah Wilkinson did get beat a, a pretty – few good times in some important situations. Uh, so there's concern there. The defense looks solid. And at the end of the day, you were missing a lot of players throughout this game. You like holding the Titans to only 16 points. And it just feels like this offense is, a, is capable of a lot more than 14 points. And at the end, I, I think I've kind of said it already. It came down to coaching. At, at the end, I would have felt comfortable with this offense getting the ball back down to with 41 seconds left, with 59 seconds left. I would have felt comfortable that they would have been able to get uh, a 50-yarder for Brandon McManus. Maybe he's hit, hitting a 58-yarder, and you don't feel 100% comfortable about that because he hasn't been money from, from over 50. But gosh, at least you're giving yourself a chance. So you didn't do that. And then also the comment uh, about the game plan just changing in the second half. Guys, in my notes, I have just so many good notes about how I loved the creativity on offense in the first half, specifically the first quarter. Loved that they had Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay on the field at the same time. Loved that they were trying a Judy end around, although it didn't work. Loved that they were getting uh, Drew on boots. Loved the creativity. And then it vanished. It vanished in the second half. Of course, that third quarter, you had three yards. I mean, it's it's laughable at that point. If they would have done that for all four quarters, they would have had 12 freaking yards in the game and the creativity w- was gone so to me you have the pieces and i'm not saying you don't have the coaching but tonight it wasn't good i, I think it's really hard to argue with anything that you just said um and it's funny I, I feel great about the pieces as well and 
you didn't have like half of them out there tonight. Yeah. Um, uh, what were your thoughts, Zach, on Jerry Judy and just his overall performance? Uh, it's tough. It's tough. And you expect to see that occasionally from a rookie. You know, it's a little easier to swallow when a rookie starts off with seven hot games and then this is their eighth game. It stinks for him that this was Monday night football, that this was his very first game in the NFL, and he has those obviously huge plays. You, you can't you can't downplay how big those plays would have been, especially the second one. Uh, but he's going to bounce back. Uh, I saw it firsthand at training camp when he had a day where he had two drops and then he bounced back really well. So he'll bounce back well. I'm not concerned about him, but obviously uh, two two big plays there. And guys, I got to I got to get your take on the fourth and one play call and the fourth and one decision to go for it uh, for the Broncos. The decision to go for it was great. You should always do it unless you're in a situation where it's late in the game and a field goal wins it for you, then then you then you go ahead and kick. But the play call I thought was atrocious. It was described on the broadcast as too cute, and I tend to agree with it. There, you had better options available to you. Yeah, I, I'm exactly with Mace. Um, obviously, hindsight being 2020, you'd love to have those three points. Uh, that's enough to win you the football game. Yeah. But yeah. it's not really that simple. Um, I say go for it every single time in that situation, like Mace said. But I told Mace this earlier in the broadcast. I just want a play that has options. Um, and maybe that play has the flip to Philip Lindsay. I don't know if that's a decoy or an actual option in the play. Maybe Drew Locke could have tucked it and ran and tried to, you know, John Elway himself into the end zone. But it, it was such a one-way play to me. And I like to, on a fourth down in the, in the red zone like that, to have multiple options. I want a play where Drew Locke has multiple people to throw it to. He can try to run. The defense is on its heels, scrambling, trying to guard people. And this just felt like it had one chance. If they didn't see it coming, it scores. And if they do see it coming, it doesn't score. Yeah, I, I, and I totally know what you're saying with that. And that's why it certainly wasn't the ideal play call. But this is why I wanted to ask you. I knew you guys had already talked about it. But I like the play call. I, I like the play call. Because wow. Interesting. Think about, it, think about it this way. If that, play, if that scores, it's a fantastic play. It, it's a play that the Broncos drew up, and it was a great little trick play that they had just for that situation. People would be saying, oh, my gosh, what a fantastic play. So I want to look at it on that side. Was it a little gimmicky? Yeah, it was a little gimmicky. But it, now I'm not running it to Jake Butt. I'm running it to Noah Fant. So, I mean, and again, it wasn't the perfect play call. What I'm probably doing is I'm doing what worked in the rest of the game with Drew Locke. And I'm putting him uh, on a boot. If you're if you're going to send send Drew, then send him outside. Then he can run. Then he can pass. You have two or three options. So I, I agree. It wasn't a perfect play call. But boy, I, I did not. I think I think uh, and I've been hard on Pat Shermer, but I think he he's getting a lot of hate for that. I get what you're saying that you want options. And I know RK makes you want options as well. But also think of this. You've invested a lot, awful lot in draft capital and free agency money as well in the interior of your offensive line and the tight end position. Guys who can help clear a path to get you those tough yards. And then you invested $8 million for this year in Melvin Gordon, a power back who should be able to get you that yard behind those guys that you've got in front of him. You're, 
you're designed to be able to get a tough yard there, a yard that you haven't gotten when you needed it over the last few years. So why get cute? Yeah, I, I, I guess I see the point, what, what you're getting at, Zach, which is true, which is if it works, everyone loves it. You know, everyone's – but, like, you know, if a tight end end around to Noah Fant works, everyone loves it. Uh, <laughs> some plays, if they work, yeah, everyone loves every play that works great. But there's a reason some plays work and some plays don't. I felt like that one was too easily solvable um, for, for, that, for that defense. And uh, to be honest, like, that play isn't – special anymore it's one of like you know it's been done a bunch of times and uh a defense if they're communicating well sees what's going on you know they see the sprint out and they see the tight end there and they react and uh the play wasn't working from the second that it was called you could just see it drew what didn't believe in it uh jake butt like wasn't sure if he should keep running or stop it was just it was awkward Uh, I, i hated it and and isn't it just crazy that then the Titans have the exact same situation on the other goal line, fourth and goal from the one. They do a play that probably has multiple looks, get the touchdown. Justin Simmons, I asked him after the game uh, what, what happened on that play because obviously the, the tight end was wide open. And he said it was an awkward formation that we had never seen before. And he mm. said it, it just it, it caught a lot of our assignments off. And so, I mean, that was a that was the complete opposite. That was a winning play from the moment they lined up. It's pretty much what Justin said. And when you see that on fourth and goal, somebody has to take time out. Mace, you can't do that. You can't call time out there because you need them to hold in your pocket when you walk off the field uh, later. <laughs> I knew you were going there. Oh yikes! <laughs> oh man! I mean, that's as high leverage as it gets. I, you don't want to use timeouts willy-nilly until you get down to the last minutes but fourth and goal in the fourth quarter and if you can't recognize their formation you've got some confusion that's a high leverage moment where you get a to baby as dickie v would say yep yeah yeah absolutely do because at the end of the game let's say the broncos needed one extra timeout in order to take a timeout to kick a 55 yarder or something like that but you burned it because you stopped them on fourth and goal because you had to take that timeout. Mm-hmm. Well, what, once all of us find that out, then it's okay. Well, uh, unfortunately, you were one timeout too short. No one's blaming you for that. And right. then you walk off the field with a couple of in, couple of them in your pocket. Oh, yeah. I hate that. It's I hate to say it, but I'm going to be talking about those timeouts for a long time. <laughs> um, every time there's a playoff, you know, if they're lucky enough to be in the playoff race. I'm going to be talking about those timeouts. I just, it's going to be really hard for me to get over that. I, there's just absolutely no defense for it. I'm, I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm out of words, <laughs> as you can tell. And on, on one end, the Broncos should have won this game. On another end, this is a game that the Broncos shouldn't have won because their kicker missed 10 points. Yeah. So they, they could have easily won by 12 points at home, then th- this would be a whole different story if the Broncos didn't didn't lose by two points. They lost by 12. You know, I think we our tone would be a little different with this team right now. But so it, it's interesting how you can look at this game in two ways where it slipped through their hands um, or they, they kind of just got lucky to only lose by two. Yeah, and, and that's a good pivot point here because I think all of that is going to come down to how they play next weekend. Um, if they play really well and they find a way to win that game, 
Well, I'm talking about timeouts again. Um, <laughs> if they play poorly and they get smoked, well, we're talking about field goals uh, and not timeouts. And we're talking about how, oh, God, they should have lost by double digits at home in week one. And now they just laid an egg in week two. Okay, now, you know, it might be time to panic. Um, so, you know, it, the narrative is always ready to change. Um, and the Broncos are really going to have to figure some things out. But again, man, as shorthanded as they were, they moved the ball. They were in position. They had a chance to win the game if they make some one more play, really. And there's a lot to build on there. But again, it's all going to teeter on how they look next weekend. Yeah, it really will. And that's going to be a tough game. Ben Roethlisberger just became the third player to have uh, like I think he has the third most three touchdown game passes going along with Drew Brees and Peyton Manning, I believe. So some pretty good company. He's playing good coming off that injury. You got a short week coming off a game where you just tackled Derrick Henry 31 times. I got to imagine, man, that's a pretty tough situation to, to then turn around, get home on Tuesday morning right now for these guys. And then they're flying for an 11 a.m. game Sunday morning. But you know what? No excuses because we know how much slow starts can hurt. The Broncos finished four and one under Drew Locke and were, you know, never really in the playoff conversation last year. They finished hot, but an 0 and four start kills teams, kills them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, you know, I watched the Steelers game. I was, they're not a team that should scare you. Um, I think the Broncos, you know, go in and play a good football game and we'll have a great chance to win that game. Um, they did an incredible job taking away. Saquon Barkley I've never seen anything like it um Saquon Barkley in the first half did not cross the line of scrimmage like he got tackled behind the line of scrimmage every single time he touched the ball except for on a screen pass it was shocking he had eight carries for negative eight yards at one point in the game so uh you know their game plan is obviously going to be different obviously they went into that game saying take away Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones has no chance of beating you they won that bet. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they attack the Broncos. It's a shame that they don't have, or I guess I shouldn't say it yet, but there's a good chance they're not going to have Philip Lindsay. I thought Philip Lindsay was going to be a big part of the game plan throughout the entire game tonight. And, you know, even just that little Texas route with him coming out of the backfield uh, out from uh, the, the fullback position was like, oh, it was so good. And it just needs one more yard and it's like a perfect play. And, um, I loved the way they use them creative, uh, creatively. And now that's gone, you know, for uh, probably a week, at least, uh, it just sucks because I, I think that was a big part of why Pat Shermer struggled to start the second half is they had a big, uh, big role in vision for Philip Lindsay. And they had that kind of taken out from under them. How cool was it to see Philip Lindsay lined up as a fullback? I mean, I just, I love the, that creativity and the mismatch that could create. I mean, heck, the Titans may have needed to call a timeout when they saw that because they realized they had a 250-pound slow linebacker lined up on him. I mean, that that's the creativity that I love to see in the first quarter, and it just slowly slipped away until there was just none of it in the second half. I think it was a little bit of uh, TSS, tight sphincter syndrome. <laughs> Sometimes we see it set in over the course of a game. Oh, it definitely. It might. No, actually, it wasn't. That's not what got Jerry G. Jerry was just trying. He needs to realize that he doesn't need to score a touchdown every time he touches the ball. And that—that's exactly what. Uh, 
I don't remember Drew. who said it. At, Drew, Drew said it after the game. He said he was just trying to go out there and ball. And that's something he'll learn that you, you can't do everything on every single play. But that's who Jerry Judy is. He's a playmaker. That's, that's what he did at Alabama. He made big plays time and time again. And you know what? It's okay to catch a 12-yard pass and then get tackled. It's okay to catch a 20-yard pass and get tackled. Catch the pass first. Look it in. He was just trying to make a play. I'm not worried about Jerry at all. I mean, the flashes were so flashy. Yeah. Uh, and he's gonna oh. make people. He's gonna make people. You know, their eyes pop all season long. He's only gonna get better. Um, you know, it was. It was. I don't know if you saw some of the praise just being poured out from other NFL players watching him go to work out there. I, you know, I, I specifically retweeted. Um, TJ Ward, who said he's the fastest off the line in the world. Uh, like it's, it's unbelievable. He'll get rid of the drops. Uh, it wasn't, you know, we can't ignore the fact that it was one of the knocks on him coming out of college. So it's not as if it was just a first game jitters thing. Although I think that played a, a little bit of a role in it. He was, it just looked like trying to score a touchdown every time he got it. Um, but I think he'll, he'll get better. This Broncos offense will get better when they get healthier uh, there's a lot to, there's a lot to build on here and like I said it's going to come down to how they perform next week when I before I think the story is written about what happened in this game. I like that. I like it a lot. We're we're either going to be talking about touchdowns or or timeouts or field goals after next week. Of course, uh, hey, there shouldn't be a a a a home field advantage for the Steelers at least not much of it and I think we saw tonight at times how the Broncos did lose something not having a home field advantage because the Titans had a couple of drives where they were backed up deep in their own territory at the north end, and it just sounded like a preseason game. Definitely the Broncos, I thought, were hurt by not having fans in the stands, and so maybe it'll work the other way next week for the Steelers at back at Heinz Field. So, Mace, I, I want to agree with you because I definitely think um, that at, at the end of the game, the Broncos would have benefited from having having a, a loud crowd here. But how um, does Goskowski actually maybe make a field goal? I mean, the, it's it's not like he would have been worse if there were fans here, right? I mean, well, maybe he would have gone over five. Well, maybe you would have had a scenario like that drive where they were still after the after the failed fourth and goal, and they're starting at the one. Maybe you get them three and out with the crowd because yeah. what we always see is that the offense might fail in fourth and goal, but then the crowd's going to kind of have the teams back, and maybe they force a little discombobulation on the Titans and maybe instead of them driving down to a missed field goal instead, maybe they go three and out punt Broncos get in good field position and drive to at least a field goal in the next drive. So Mace adding Jared Polis to the people who deserve blame for the loss. Oh no, I'm <laughs> no, I'm, 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 at, I'm adding every, I'm adding those. I'm the, the virus people who won't take the steps necessary to contain the virus because in places where it was it, where it was at least reasonably contained, you have, you, Australia's got more people at games. New Zealand had full houses for rugby matches. Yes, that's what I'm blaming. Uh, I shouldn't have opened that can of worms. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> did, speaking I'll get into trouble for that, I'm sure, but I don't care. Opening a can of worms. Did you guys see Stephen Goskowski, what he said after the game about taking off his shoe? No. So he took off his shoe on the sideline before the last kick. What was he doing, honoring Rich Carlos? <laughs> He's, I think he was just changing the juju, but he said he would have taken off his pants if he would have known it would have helped him make that kick. Hey, now. 
whatever it takes. Okay. You know, Mike Vrabel has said more uh, graphic things than that about <laughs> stuff going on below the belt. <laughs> and wasn't it so? Wasn't it so fitting that Mike Vrabel is wearing the the mask that says, you know, give Derrick Henry the ball, and then they come out and they don't give him the ball for the first many plays of the game. I just thought this this was so predictable. Yeah, yeah. he knew that was coming, but then they gave it to him thirty one times. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, they gave it to him a lot. All right. Well, before we get out of here, another shout out to WGT. Like I said, go to dnvrgolf.com, download the WGT app, go into the country club section, join the DNVR3 country club, join us as we as we play every single weekend. Uh, it's a it's really a good time. So we always have fun with it, and uh, and it's a good, it'll be a good way to lead up to Broncos games coming up. The good news, guys, only six more days until the Broncos play again, and we get to write that narrative. Uh, and see how they respond to this because I, I do think they have a great chance to correct some of these issues and play a much better football game next week. It's one game. It, it, it's one game. I expected a slow start. I still expect that this doesn't change my outlook on the Broncos this year. Uh, and if they bounce back next week, that's a game that I didn't have them winning uh, when I did my prediction. And so that, that would be, it, it would completely write this game uh, almost because we didn't really have the Broncos going 16 and 0. We knew it was going to be slow. And at the end, I'm taking a step back saying it's a bummer that they lost this game, but I'm not saying, oh man, this is such a bad team that we've got to roll with. I'm not saying that at all because I don't feel like that because I don't think that's what we saw on the field today. Completely agree. Uh, Drew Locke, you know, you feel better about him than you did before this game, in my opinion. And, and, uh, and that's honestly the most important thing of this season is Drew Locke maturing and progressing. And, and I think he did that tonight. And I with that, completely agree. I think that's going to wrap it up for us on this post-game show. The live portion, of course, presented by Breckenridge Brewery. So shout out to Breck Brew uh, for bringing you this live show. Thanks to everyone who wrote along with us and vented in the comments. Uh, I know you. it seemed like you guys got a lot of frustrations out in there. So I hope <laughs> everyone's feeling better. Uh, of course, we'll always uh, be back with you tomorrow. And tomorrow is no different. So we will talk to you tomorrow morning uh, and have a great night, guys.